Hey guys, what is up? So I'm here with my friend Lauren, and we wanted to go over an important topic today, and that is the letter from Birmingham Jail written by Martin Luther King Jr. Um, nobody really knows much about this letter at all and wasn't really talked about. <clears throat> Just a little background of the letter. It was written in 1963, which was during the time of the Civil Rights Movement. So this would include like the bus boycotts that have happened with Rosa Parks and the segregation against schools. And this also started the case of the Brown versus Board of Education. So I had asked my mom the other day about it, and she never really knew about the letter. So it was was just an interesting text to kind of interpret. So Lauren, what is your like intake on this? I personally love this letter. I love how much he talks about God um, and how he really leans on God during this time. It is such a hard time period to get through. And I like how he does that is he leans on his faith in order to get through this hard time because he knows God is going to get him through it. So um, that's just my interpretation on it. Of course, he uses logical explanation in it. You know, it's hard to be in jail for something you didn't do or because of the color of your skin. Granted, I've never felt that way in my entire life, but... I really do think Martin Luther King's letter delivers a powerful message. I think so, too. Um, So, in the letter, Martin Luther King Jr. kind of uses rhetoric with his quotes from the Bible and talking about God because he wants to persuade his audience, who are these, you know, eight white clergymen in Alabama. The thing that got to me when doing research on this letter was that not only was he persuading his audience, but he was also persuading himself while writing it. And it really caught my eye because he wanted to put his faith into God as well. So there's this quote here that stood out to me in the letter, which um, he said, But more basically, I am in Birmingham because injustice is here. Just as the prophets in the 8th century BC left their villages and carried their, thus thus saith the Lord, far beyond, beyond the boundaries of their hometowns and just as the apostle paul left his village of tarsus and carried the gospel of jesus christ to the far corners of the greco roman world sorry so i'm compelled to carry the gospel of free freedom beyond my own hometown like paul i must constantly remind respond to the macedonian <clears throat> call for aid So, you know, this quote kind of just shows that Martin Luther King Jr. is providing his point as to what he's doing in terms of God. And so as I was doing more research, I dove more into the religious side of it, considering that he used most of his rhetoric, you know, towards God. So in David chapter 3, he talks about how slaves in the antebellum South were related to the Hebrew slaves. And this had much more meaning to it, which was very surprising because you wouldn't, like, catch that while reading the letter. So, um, in that chapter, that explains, like, in the Bible, Daniel had encouraged nonviolent resistance in breaking the laws of the land and the moral of God. So, you know, that interprets how Martin Luther King Jr. was doing. He was kind of doing the same thing of what Daniel was doing but with segregation during the time. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to add on, Lauren? You know, you make a really interesting point. I like how you were talking about how, you know, he introduces his faith and he wanted 
or needs to believe in that. It's like he almost needs to believe in God in order to get out of this situation. So that's why I feel like he leans so much on his faith. And it's not because he's, you know, questioning God or, you know, thinking, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? I think he knows that God has a plan and God's going to get him through it. Something that I've done in my own research is I've been working with James Baldwin and Martin Luther King. You know, James Baldwin was a famous author during the right around the same time of the civil rights movement. So in the letter, so in The Fire Next Time, which is his book, he writes a letter to his nephew. And it's just basically these things that you can't back down. You can't back down from the white community because they're all... Everything they're going to see you as is going to be true. And you can't think about that way because his brother died thinking that way. You know, thinking if he were going to get into, you know, get into the minds of the white community in the correct way, he was going to be okay. But he wasn't. So moving forward within the fire next time, you kind of see him writing, you know, a journal to himself that states, you know, God is a white man who's not going to help the colored community, which is really interesting because then you take something like Martin Luther King and, you know, he writes the Hebrew slaves and, you know, writes in Daniel about that, you know, he in multiple times within this letter is he states, you know, God is powerful. God can do this. God can do that. And God's going to help us get through this. And I think that's why up until a certain point, Martin Luther King was so successful. And then James Baldwin, you know, kind of stopped in his tracks and was like, I'm not going to get through this. God isn't going to help me because he's white himself. So why would he help a colored community? And I think that's just really important. So to take into account both sides and something that I've seen in my own research is just really interesting that, you know, one man you know, out of, I don't know how many other people thought the same thing. And then you take another man who's the head of it all, basically, and really relies on his religion to get him through it. I definitely agree with your point. Um, I just think it's like really like surprising to me that not a lot of people, you know, really heard about this letter. Like during that time, you would think like, this letter would be out and a lot of people would know about the situation and why it led to this situation, especially after, you know, they were protesting and how he got into jail in the first place type of stuff. So I just thought it was really like interesting to me. And I feel like a lot of people should actually go and read this letter because it has so much meaning to, you know, our history itself and like why things had happened the way it happened. I agree 100%. I think this letter is a powerful thing, and I think this letter could still be useful for today. You know, we see a lot of the same things today that, you know, obviously not the same as religion, but you see a lot of the same things, you know, white against black, or, you know, she's white, she got this job, she's black, I didn't get that job, you know. It's just the same... Same thing every single day, even up until, uh, even back then. (laughs) Sorry. So, um, I don't know. I just thought it was, like, you know, a pretty, like, sad thing to, you know. Because I I never really interpreted this letter until, like, I was taking sociology and I had to read it for one of my assignments. 
Um, so it's just kind of sad that, like, I had to, you know, go through sociology to read this letter and not, like, actually interpret this through my history classes, which could have been taught. But even then, like, the history classes now, they don't really teach about black history a lot. 